Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, no, I wasn't very happy with how things ended up turning out for Stanford football in South Bend last week. Not, not, not at all. I could have done without the entire fourth quarter and much of the second half, really. But overall, grand scheme of things, this team is still okay. And there are still a lot of things within reach for the Cardinal in order for them to have a very successful season. Another one. That said, big test this week. We're going to take a snapshot of Stanford football on this Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018, on this edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here with us. I'm indeed Troy Clarity. Very happy that you have decided to join us on a brand new TreeCast. And we're going to go four downs with David Shaw on his weekly press conference, which normally happens on Tuesday mornings down at the Arayaga Family Sports Center on the Stanford campus. The four top sound bites and the four things you need to know, or at the very least, the four things that struck me from being in the room for David Shaw's weekly press conference earlier this morning. So that is what's going to take up uh, the bulk of today's show. You can be interactive with the TreeCast, and I'm going to go through a couple of tweets. I actually got a few of them. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity, for all your Twitter following needs. Uh, if you want to uh, shout out directly to the show, the best way to ensure that I will see them is hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. That's by far the best way to uh, make sure that your thoughts are heard on and about this show. I'll certainly get to a couple of those uh, as we go throughout this program. Very happy to be with you as always. Troy Clarity here. Following Stanford football has been what I've done now for, gosh, this is the 26th year. (laughs) As I was driving down to the Stanford campus on Tuesday morning, it occurred to me that it was probably right around this time 25 years ago that I was starting to go to my very first Stanford football weekly press conferences. Some guy named Bill Walsh was the head coach for the Cardinal back then. Boy, what an introduction that was to Stanford football back in those days. So, so Walsh, Willingham, yes, Stevens. Wasn't here for any of the Walt Harris ones because I was back in Connecticut back in the day, thank goodness. Wasn't here for any of the Jim Harbaugh ones, but uh, being back in the fold of David Shaw and uh, coming back to uh, see these press conferences pretty much every single week has been intriguing, and it's always been interesting to be in the room whenever David Shaw speaks. And top of mind, of course, was was putting to bed the unfortunate result for the Cardinal against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 38-17, the final score uh, in South Bend on Saturday evening. Look, a big matchup and a big chance for Stanford to make a statement. Unfortunately, Notre Dame made a much bigger, more positive statement uh, for the uh, for all to see, and that's why Notre Dame is still in the top 10, and uh, they've got a pretty clear path to the playoff, it seems. Meanwhile, Stanford is on the outside looking in. They're still in the top 15, but their path to the playoff is much, much, much more murky now 
than it was this time last week. It didn't help that Bryce Love left the game early in the fourth quarter with another ankle injury, the very first piece of business that David Shaw took care of on Tuesday morning during his weekly press conference was to announce that Bryce Love officially as of right now, day-to-day, leading into this week's matchup against the Utah Utes on Saturday evening. So Bryce Love officially day-to-day had his ankle landed on uh, in the late goings against uh, Notre Dame on Saturday. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if he's able to go and if he is, just how effective Bryce Love will be. If Love cannot go or if Love is limited, the recent history suggests that Stanford offensively is in a bit of trouble. Stanford seemed to struggle a bit and, and really find uh, the, the gear that many, many folks expected them to find against UC Davis the last time Bryce Love missed a ball game. That was because of an up, undisclosed, likely upper body injury that he suffered late in the game against USC. Bryce Love didn't play in that game, and the Stanford rushing attack didn't really wow anybody that day against the Aggies. Stanford got the win. They got the win, but it still wasn't the kind of win that I think a lot of Stanford fans and probably the team uh, was expecting that day. Go back to last year when Love got hurt against Oregon, and they had a little extra time to get ready for a Thursday night matchup at Oregon State. Still wasn't enough time for Stanford to get Bryce Love healthy enough to put him back out on the football field. So uh, they rolled without Bryce Love against Oregon State and almost cost him dearly. Thank God for that late fumble. What is it about Stanford going up to uh, Oregon and Oregon State, recovering late fumbles and winning football games? Thank goodness for that. But up to that point, Stanford really didn't have much to cheer about, and certainly not from a rushing game standpoint. So, So recent history suggests over... This season, and when the Cardinal were in this situation last year, that when Bryce Love is out of the game, Stanford loses a lot. And yes, it's true that the Stanford rushing attack has been certainly not up to the standard that many folks thought it was going to be able to perform at for much of this year. More on that when we go forward downs with David Shaw. But I certainly think that even though the rushing attack hasn't been where it, it should be, and I think we can all agree on that, it still is great to have Bryce Love out there as a threat, as a weapon, as, as a threat to actually run the ball, to open up things in that passing game for the Cardinal. Get one-on-one matchups with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Caden Smith and Kobe Parkinson. That's where they've done the bulk of their best work. Stanford has done fantastic against teams who are gearing up for the run, and then all of a sudden, boom, they throw at you. That's where Stanford's passing attack has done much of its best work. Not necessarily when the Cardinal become a one-dimensional team. And whether Bryce Love is is able to go or not, I'm not a doctor, but I would imagine that he is not going to be able to be at 100% uh, either way, whether he's on the field or not, against Utah. And... That has me a bit concerned, quite honestly, about whether Stanford is going to return to being a potentially one-dimensional offense where the Utah Utes, and they get after you defensively. Kyle Whittingham has made sure that defense and special teams are the hallmarks of his squads. I enjoy watching Utah play. Utah defensively, if they don't have a reason to play the running game honest, that plays into their favor. So certainly 
without Bryce Love, if it comes to that, we don't know yet. Bryce Love still day to day, but if it comes to that, and slash or if Love is limited, as I suspect he might be, suspect. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not hanging out. I'm not. I'm not. I can't watch practice. You know, they they're they're closed to us now in the media. And I'm certainly not hanging out in the uh, <laughs> with the training staff and in the in the in the medical rooms there at the Ariaga Family Sports Center or anything like anything like that. But I, I suspect that love at less than hundred percent is going to be a very very intriguing hurdle for Stanford to try to overcome. As much as I like what Stanford has done in the passing attack for much of the year, and as much as you do too, if you're out there listening, it's still a heck of a lot easier when Bryce Love is out there when the defense has to at least play the run game honest. This week, that could change. That could change. Certainly one of the subplots that we will all be watching when Stanford faces Utah on Saturday evening. And we'll, get, we'll likely get even more to, into that uh, when we dive deeper into the matchup uh, between Stanford and Utah later on this week when we bring the TreeCast to you in a more preview mode for Stanford versus Utah. But right now, let's go four downs. The four top things I took away from being in the room with David Shaw during his weekly press conference, the four big sound bites uh, that I got uh, from David Shaw's uh, press conference this morning. Let's start with first down. Yeah, it was a tough loss. Certainly did not end how the Cardinal wanted it to against Notre Dame, in which things snowballed on them, particularly in the fourth quarter. However, it wasn't a Pac-12 loss. Stanford still undefeated there. And Pac-12 opponents the rest of the way. So given that, David Shaw was asked by Tom Fitzgerald of the San Francisco Chronicle if last week's loss was any less painful because it doesn't affect necessarily any of their goals from a Pac-12 standpoint. First down with David Shaw on how painful that loss to Notre Dame really was. Pain is a relative term. Um, yeah, all, all L's uh, are, are painful. Um, and, and especially when you don't feel like you played your best um, against a really, really good football team. That's the, that's the only thing that, 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 that bugs me about that game is that I think there's more for us. Um, there's more that we can do and that we can play better. Um, but um, conference game, yeah, uh, is different than non-conference game because we're focused on trying to win our conference. We're focused on trying to get to the Pac-12 championship game. Um, so that Notre Dame game doesn't affect that. Um, so now we get a chance to focus back on our conference. That's David Shaw, and there are conference opponents the rest of the way. A non-conference slate is now uh, in the rearview mirror for Stanford uh, for the remainder of the season. And, and, he's, and he's right. He's right. And one of the very first things that David Shaw said after updating the injury report and revealing that, that, that Bryce Love had, was going to be day-to-day one of the very first things that he said was, and it was a reminder that, look, Stanford going into the fourth quarter of that game was down by seven, and they had the ball. So even though the final score, you know, kind of got out of control a bit in favor of Notre Dame, Stanford still had a chance. They still had a chance. As a matter of fact, at that point, I was, I was texting my buddies going, wait, we, we, I, I think Stanford's going to win this game. Then the fourth quarter happened. Then Stanford ran seven plays in that fourth quarter and gained minus 11 yards. That's what Stanford did in the fourth quarter offensively. Seven plays, 
for minus 11 yards. KJ Costello only threw one pass, one pass in that fourth quarter. It was intercepted. Was sacked on a couple of other occasions and had a couple of uh, running game, running out of plays that also were dropped for losses as well. That's all that Stanford did. They did not put forth their best effort when they absolutely needed to the most. That said, it still doesn't kill Stanford's hopes, and this is always the goal. This is always the goal for Stanford. It still doesn't kill their hopes of winning the Pac-12. It still doesn't you know, preclude Stanford fans from, from, from keeping January 1st free for the moment and heading down to Pasadena to check things out and head down to the Rose Bowl, which I, I will never see as a consolation prize, quite honestly. I will never see that. I'll never be mad at going to Pasadena, which, you know, and, and I get why some Stanford fans were completely bummed out with the result against Notre Dame. I get it. I understand it. It is what it is, uh, especially in this day and age. And I found it interesting. David Shaw also said this too. Look, the players got over it before the coaches did. <laughs> the coaches did, got over it before the media did. And I'll add to that, the media may have gotten over it after the fans did. Maybe the fans still haven't gotten after it. Who knows? Who knows? But overall, grand scheme of things, Stanford still is in position to be playing at the Rose Bowl. I'm not mad at that. Not mad at that at all. That said, there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up for the Cardinal going forward. And Stanford just went through their toughest sketch, their toughest stretch of ball games. Everyone pointed at that September and went, oh boy, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. Let's see if the Cardinal can get through it. They did. They went four and one. And they're still in they're still in position and still in contention atop the Pac-12 North and still in position to do good things, to do very good things at the very end of the season. If if you were hinging your entire uh, definition of success for Stanford football on whether the Cardinal made the playoff this year or not, well, I'm sorry. That's your fault. That's your fault. And it's unfortunate because only four teams make the playoff, right? If you were hinging Stanford football success this year on uh, whether we're all booking planes uh, to the uh, college football playoff bowls uh, this, the, the, this winter, this January, eh, that, that's on you, quite honestly. That's on you. Would have been nice to stay in the playoff race. And look, Cardinal aren't out of it yet. Let's face it. We just got into October. There's still a lot of football to be played for everyone. Now, how you start, it's how you finish. We've learned that many times as Stanford fans over the past few years. More on that in a second, by the way. A uh, quick tweet that I received, hashtag TreeCast. Uh, this is from at Folksy, where John Wilner of the Mercury News, author of the Pac-12 Hotline, he does fantastic stuff, by the way, has predicted Stanford to uh, now be in the Holiday Bowl. Eh, too early for bowl predictions. I get it. I understand it. Uh, but, you know, uh, at, at Folksy chimes in and says, way too early. I agree. I would rather go to San Diego than San Antonio again. Pasadena would be my favorite, though. That tweet again from at Folksy. I, I think you're spot on. 100% correct there. Look, I was a little bummed when Stanford didn't go to San Diego last year. For a lot of reasons. San Diego is much easier and less expensive to get to than San Antonio is. 
But Pasadena is not out of the question. Not out of the question at all. Stanford still has a say in that part of the equation. However, as mentioned, some things need to get tightened up for the Cardinal. And a lot of the slings and arrows have gone towards the Stanford offensive line this week. And that brings us to second down as we're going four downs in the David Shaw weekly press conference. And folks, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, want to compare and hold what Stanford's offensive line did last year as the standard for how all Stanford offensive lines should perform this year and going forward. On second down, David Shaw has a message for those folks who insist on, on comparing this year to last year. What we did last year was historic. So there was, that comparison is not even worth bringing up. Uh, the fact that we have been inconsistent, that we've had injury issues, that's just where we are. We have to be more consistent. Um, our guys are getting back healthy. It's great to get Devery back in there now. Uh, Brand Fanica is playing his, you know, better than he has. Um, done a great job in the last couple weeks at left guard. Um, A.T. Hall hopefully is, is a, a little healthier than he was a week ago and two weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're not where we need to be um, up front, and, and I, that includes tight ends and fullbacks and everybody. Um, so it's, it's, it's in progress. <clears throat> We'd hope to be much farther ahead, not looking at statistics, but as far as execution than we are now. Um, but, you know, we have more games to play. That's David Shaw reminding folks not to necessarily compare what should be happening this year to how things went last year, specifically for the offensive line. And I certainly get where he's coming from there. And it, it, it's amazing because it reminds me of 2010 big game. Remember that? The, the Andrew Luck game where he just bowled over Sean Katus on his way to a 58-yard gain, and Stanford just boat-raced Cal right from the start, blew the Bears out of their own building on, on, on route to, what was it, like a 45 nothing lead? And the Bears got a couple of scores maybe later on at the end. But it was still as, as perfect a game as I've ever seen Stanford football play. But I think that game had an interesting effect on Stanford football fans because I think some folks started to think that, that every time Stanford football took the field, it should look like 2010 big game did. And when it didn't or when some things came up short, folks – Folks kind of started to, to, to raise some heck <laughs> and, and, to, and, to, and to get mad about it. So I, I understand it. And it, it's, it's, it's a big reason why, and I think Bryce Love's Heisman campaign is, has been quietly, been quietly taken out and, and, and put, into the, put into the drawer for now, rightfully so. But it, it's why I didn't necessarily like Bryce Love's Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, or Heisman Trophy chances, I should say, uh, coming into this season anyway, because last year was so historic. And the chances of, of Love being able to, to repeat that amazing performance w wasn't that great. They weren't that great, quite honestly. It would have been a very pleasant surprise, to be sure, but I would have been incredibly amazed, totally amazed, if the Cardinal offensive line and if Bryce Love had been able to recreate a lot of the things that they did last year. 
brings me to a tweet from at Fugitive Vet, who tweets in and says that a topic that needs to be explored is what's happened to the vaunted Stanford O-line. Only two variables that are different than last year. No David Bright and no Mike Bloomgrim. Is new offensive line coach Carberry responsible for the unit's underwhelming performance this year? Injuries? That tweet from at Fugitive Vet. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. Um, as with so many things offensive line related, it's complicated. And it's not just one thing, I think, that has contributed to some of the things that we have seen up front. It certainly is. Injuries, that's, that's part of the picture. That certainly hasn't helped. There's no doubt about that. I mean, just about everyone, everyone has been dinged up at some point along the line for Stanford so far this year. Jesse Burkett missed the first couple of games. Walker Little isn't 100% healthy. A.T. Hall, the right tackle, isn't 100% healthy. Thank goodness Nate Herbig has been holding up, but who knows what bumps and bruises he might potentially be carrying uh, five games into the season. Left guard has been a bit of an issue, not just from an injury standpoint, but from a consistency standpoint, too, between Brandon Fanica and Devery Hamilton. And Foster Sorrell is on the shelf for, for who knows how long. So injuries are part of it. I am not nuanced enough in offensive line play, and, and I don't you know, know enough about Stanford's offensive line schemes in particular to be able to tell you whether uh, you know, the, the, the new offensive line coach uh, is, is, is deficient in some way or if he's not uh, coaching things the correct way. I, I, I will say this. I do think that they miss uh, perhaps an attention to detail in the run game in some aspects of it anyway that uh, Mike Bloomgren had, had, had oversight over that, that maybe you don't potentially see anymore. That's just, that's just my potential read on, on, on things, uh, being on the outside looking in. Uh, I, I don't, you know, and also don't, don't forget, you know, it, it's not just that, that, that Stanford is missing David Bright and, and Mike Bloomgren as well. Uh, don't, don't forget, no Daniel Marks, Right. He was pretty big as the fullback. He just signed with the uh, uh, Alliance of American Football Squad down in San Diego. Congratulations to him, by the way. But no Daniel Marks, no, uh, no Dalton Schultz, who did some very nice things from a blocking standpoint from the tight end position. Those guys were missing too. So it's, it's a combination of things. Um, and and, and it's, hard to, it's hard to decipher. Even David Shaw said this this morning that it's hard to decipher and specifically delineate uh, what part of it is injuries, what part of it is just, uh, substan- is just mistakes, uh, what part of it is personnel. It's just very difficult to tell um, wh- which, which way to go on that. But it must get better. As we've talked about time and time and time again on these tree casts, it all begins up front for Stanford. If the Cardinal don't run block, then so much of what, of what we've come to know as Stanford football doesn't happen. And if Stanford doesn't pass block, well, you pretty much have the fourth quarter at South Bend. By far Stanford's worst performance this year from a pass protection standpoint. Pass protection has actually been pretty much a plus this year. Not in the fourth quarter against Notre Dame. It all starts up front for the Cardinal. We've talked about that many, 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 many times before. And the offensive line will certainly have its hands full this Saturday against the Utah Utes. Pick up the speed a little bit. Let's move on to third down. 
third down as we're going four downs on David Shaw's weekly press conference. Third down and kind of lost in the shuffle, and, but keeping on the injury theme, Stanford offensively missing Connor Weddington. We haven't seen him since early on in the San Diego State game to open up the year. Got hurt early in that game. Haven't seen him since. How has life been for the Stanford offense without Connor Weddington? David Shaw answers that as we go third down. Connor gained a lot of experience last year, doing a lot of different things. Did some running back, did some slot receiver, did some outside receiver, did some returns. So um, even after a little bit of a slow start this year, we were really excited about where he was, and we anticipated him really making an impact in a lot of football games. So uh, that playmaking and experience that we gained from a year ago, we're hoping for him to take the next step. Um, thankfully, Osiris has come along and made plays. Um, uh, Michael Wilson uh, has come in and made plays on special teams and is, and is developing a role on the offensive side. So I think those two guys have helped um, stabilize what we lost with Connor, which hopefully we'll be able to get him back um, in some kind of capacity in the next couple of weeks. It's David Shaw and his thoughts on how the Stanford offense has tried to cope without Connor Weddington. And those of you who have been with the TreeCast since the start of the year, if you remember the very first episode of this season, I said that the key player, the guy who really holds the key to the Stanford offense and would likely decide whether Stanford uh, continues to be good or whether it really starts to become truly dynamic and explosive and truly dangerous beyond just a big play here or there, that guy to me was Connor Weddington. Because, and I'll bring this up again, last year, things like run after the catch were non-existent for the Cardinals. Basically, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Trent Irwin and Colby Parkinson and Cade Smith, they would catch, they, they'd, they'd go up for, for jump balls, bring them down, and, and, be, and, be, and be tackled immediately. There will be big plays, to be sure, but there were no explosive plays from a run-after-the-catch standpoint. You couldn't just give someone the ball uh, in the flat and they'd scoot 30, 40 yards with it or hit someone in stride on a slant and he'd go 30, 40 yards with it. That had been non-existent for the most part in the Stanford offense over the last couple of years or so. But Connor Weddington, I thought, was going to be that guy. Dazzled in the spring game, did a lot of great things that afternoon, had a, had a, had a fantastic spring, and I, I really thought that, that Connor Weddington was going to be the guy that took the Stanford offense to a whole other level. You have big threats. You have guys who can come down with the football. Uh, you have a guy who can burst for 50, 60 yards on the ground in Bryce Love. But you didn't have that one guy who could truly, absolutely murder opposing defenses in space. You did in Connor Weddington. Well, at least for the first quarter or so. But we haven't seen him since. We haven't seen him since. And while I think it's certainly been nice to see J.J. Arcega-Whiteside do what he's been doing so far this year, can we just give him the Bolitnikoff Award right now, by the way? And while it's been nice to see the tight ends continue to develop and make big plays, God, it would have been so nice, so nice to see Connor Weddington in the mix there as well and to bring the sort of things that, 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 that he could bring to this offense, a, a, a different dynamic that no one else can bring. I mean, yeah, it's nice to see Osiris St. Brown make big catches. He's averaging, what, just under 30 yards a catch? That's pretty cool. 
but can he do anything other than run downfield and make a big catch 40, 50 yards downfield? As appreciated as that is, and as big as that is, are there other facets to his game? I don't know that yet. I don't think, I don't think we Stanford fans know that yet either. Connor Weddington could have brought that different facet. We haven't seen it. And I think it's had an impact on the Stanford offense at times this season. All right, let's go fourth down. Final big major soundbite from David Shaw during his press conference this morning. Stanford went through their toughest stretch of the schedule at four and one. Everyone had that had that September circled that pretty much the whole entire month and said, we're going to know a lot about this team by the end of September. And I think we do. So now here it is in October. What changes when the calendar turns to October and as we get deeper into the season from Stanford football standpoint? From David, Shaw, from David Shaw's perspective, that means good things really start to happen for the squad. Fourth down as David Shaw looks at the potential road ahead. One of the things I am proud of over our time here is that we've been a really good second half of the season football team. Um, we've been a really good October, November football team. And, um, you know, it's time for that to start showing up. Um, trust the leadership on this football team. I trust our work ethic. I uh, like where our coaches are right now as far as <clears throat> knowing what we have and how we can best utilize it. Um, and it's time for us to start playing our best football. You know, it was, that was our mantra from last week, and it did not happen. And it's got to start happening now. That's David Shaw, who knows that Stanford, under his uh, leadership, has largely been a second-half team. They've largely been a team that has trended upwards, maybe wobble a little bit at points in the start of the season and maybe a little bit uh, at times in the middle. But Stanford football tends to finish up stronger than most other teams in the conference. That's why, more often than not, they've been in the Pac-12 championship game and playing for big things in late November heading into December. And that still could very well be the case here once again this year. So. Once he said that, A, I started to think to myself, my God, after this game, we're halfway through the season. I can't believe it's been a, almost the blink of an eye, it seems. And B, Stanford has been able to, for the most part, weather its toughest stretch, stretch of the season. They've been able to get through it. They haven't been able to get to it, through it unscathed as they've got some big-time bumps and bruises, especially in the offensive line. Uh, wide receiver isn't 100% healthy. Uh, you know, it's, it's been pretty tough. It's been pretty tough from an injury standpoint for the Cardinal for much of the year. By week coming at a very nice time, by the way, after this, after this matchup against Utah is done. Perhaps get some guys healthy, like Connor Weddington, who could return after the bye week and when Stanford heads down to Arizona State uh, to face... Uh, the pace of the Sun Devils on Thursday, October the 18th. But that is a hallmark of David Shaw coached football teams. They tend to get better as the season goes along. They tend to play better in October and November. And I think a lot of that is because of the culture that surrounds this team and the calm nature that surrounds the coaching staff. I'm sure there are passionate discussions, you know, I'm sure... And look, they are, they are, in a lot of ways, I think, less thrilled with how things went in South Bend than you are. I'm pretty sure about that. At the same time, though, even with a tough loss, 
that generally doesn't change their overall big picture approach to things. Remember how dire everything seemed at the start of the 2015 season when the Cardinal lost at Northwestern, one of the most lackluster performances I've certainly seen from Stanford in the last 10 years from an offensive standpoint. Defense really struggled too as they couldn't get off the field against the Northwestern Wildcats that afternoon. I still can't believe I saw that. And it was absolute panic among Stanford fans everywhere. But I went to practice that very next week when the team was getting ready to play Central Florida. And I didn't see anything different. I didn't notice anything different. I didn't notice, you know, any, at least from what I could see anyway, because, you know, again, practices are closed to us in the media. But in talking to the players and the coaches that week, I didn't sense any panic. I didn't sense any, anything different from, from a psychological standpoint outside of the fact that they wanted to do better, that they knew that that wasn't who they were and they wanted to do better and go on from there. They weren't going to completely throw everything out of the window just because of the, the result of just one game. And it took them a while in that Central Florida contest, but they got a, a flea flicker to Kevin Hogan, deep ball, thrown for a touchdown, And Stanford never necessarily looked back from there. And even though they hit some bumps on the road later on, that game against Oregon, boy, what a great game that was that year, November 2015 against the Ducks, in which Oregon won that game. And I remember coming out of the press box, heading down to the field, and the coaches sit on the level above the main press box. And we all take the stairs down, take the stairs down to the field, and I came out of the press box and into the stairwell at the same time as the coaches were heading downstairs. And I looked at Lance Anderson, the Stanford defensive coordinator, and we exchanged pleasantries. And in that split-second moment, I, I, I read him, and I didn't see any panic there. I, I didn't see any, any desolation. I didn't see any, oh, my God, it's over. I didn't see any thousand-yard stairs or anything like that. He wasn't thrilled. He wasn't happy. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't any sort of of desperation or desolation or or, or despair on his part. Same for talking to the players after that game, too. And especially in in, in this day and age where in college football, if you lose one game, it seems like everything goes out the window. But this coaching staff and these players, as part of the culture that Stanford football has been able to establish largely over the past six, seven years or so, is that the song remains the same. You do what you can against the opponent that you're, that you're faced with that very week. And it's a tall task this week against a very tough Utah squad who a lot of things haven't gone their way. Uh, Utah, I think it's safe to say, has been a bit of a disappointment so far this season. So they're going to be ready to fight coming into the farm on Saturday night. But that said... I don't think there's going to be a lot of change. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of desperation and, and a, lot of, a, 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 a lot of grasping at straws and clinging to things and a lot of panic in that, in that Stanford football office. There, there is no panic button, I don't think, in that Stanford football office. A lot of work to do? Yep. Yep, we've talked about that. But I also don't think that there is a lot of panic right now for Stanford this year, mostly because... From a schedule standpoint, the toughest stretch is behind them. 
now things start to become a bit more favorable from an opponent standpoint. That said, maybe I need to start reevaluating what Washington State might be capable of. But certainly things are, are a little more favorable from an opponent standpoint and from a scheduling standpoint the rest of the way. No more back-to-back -back road weeks where you have to get on planes in back-to-back -back weeks. Yes, they have to go to Cal and UCLA in back-to-back -back weeks, but they just have to get on the bus to head over to Berkeley. And, and UCLA isn't that far away, that much of a plane ride away. So David Shaw very confident that, that his trends, that his team's tendency to trend upwards in October and November, he's confident that that will happen again this year. Will it? We'll start to get some answers coming up this Saturday on the farm against Utah. One more tweet that I want to address, and, and by the way, uh, you can always get at me. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Get at me on the show or via the show uh, via hashtag TreeCast. I really appreciated this tweet from at TreyFree93. He says, hey, Troy, longtime fan of the TreeCast. The OG of Stanford commentary, no doubt. Trey, you just call me old? Yeah, yeah you're, you're probably right. I do have a birthday next week, by the way. I'm, I am getting older. Uh, Trey Free continues, part of an ex-Stanford player online community called The Jab. Will you give us a shout-out on the TreeCast? Consider it done. Consider it done, Trey Free, 93. And uh, thank you. I remember you uh, in your playing days uh, on the farm, so a shout-out to you uh, and The Jab as well. Thank you so much for checking out the program and for being a part uh, of the TreeCast. Tell your friends about it. Tell everyone about it. Certainly appreciate the love that we have been shown here on the TreeCast on Twitter. Also appreciate the love on the subscriptions and the ratings and the reviews of the show. You can do that via Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review the program. Uh, certainly appreciate those of you who have given positive reviews and those of you, hey, if, if, even if you don't like the show, let me know about it. Let me know, because I certainly want to make this the very best Stanford football podcast out there. Granted, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but I still want to make this the best one out there, <laughs> even if it is the only one. <laughs> uh, but yes, certainly appreciate uh, all of your support on the TreeCast, and uh, we will come at you uh, either on Thursday evening or on Friday morning and start to uh, really turn the page and head off uh, towards a preview of Stanford versus Utah. Looking forward to that. Thank you all once again for going four downs with us with David Shaw and his weekly press conference. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. That's all there is to it. We'll check you out next time. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you later on this week on the TreeCast with Troy Clare. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.